topic. Whenever we have uh, sessions in corporates, there are uh, three areas where uh, people always ask us to talk about. One among them is uh, communication, the other is motivation, the third uh, for sure is uh, time management or managing time. There is so much many of you would have read, there is so much many of you would have practiced. So sometimes it's like taking cold to Newcastle as they say. Yet in this uh, session for about uh, 30 minutes, I want to introduce you to some of the building blocks to look at it slightly differently, make you introspect by sharing a few questions and sharing certain insights on how some of the successful people look at managing time. So hence I would call this session as uh, time management uh, building blocks. To start with, I want to ask a few questions for you to introspect. Think before we actually dive a little bit uh, deeper into the subject. The first question that I want you to think is, uh, what is your current relationship with time? If you have had a chance to think through earlier, what is your current relationship with the time? The reason why I'm asking this question is, while many of the other resources that we have at our disposal for our personal and professional advancement, we have to pay for, or at least we have to put in a lot of efforts to acquire them. For example, if you want to sharpen your mental skills, you obviously will have to get yourself educated, spend money, efforts, all that. If you are looking at uh, having good health, you need to invest a lot of time in maintaining your health, exercise, proper food. If you want good relationships, you have to invest efforts and resources in one, acquiring relationships and second, maintaining relationships. But this is one aspect of a resource which literally comes in abundance free, almost free, and at least one day at a time it's given to us. When I wake up the next day morning, I know for sure at least I have a day ahead for me. So that way this question assumes significance. What is your current relationship with the time? Either you can ponder over it or take a few notes uh, in your uh, notebook or in your laptop or mobile. The second question is, which I want you to think. How do you currently use time? Or is time using you? It's sort of a very tricky question, but yet, how do you currently use time? Or is time using you? The third question that I want you to think through, which are related to the first two questions in some ways, how do you build your future? What is that one biggest resource that you bet your future on? How do you build your future? 
what is that one resource on which you would bet your future on? If you had uh, time to think through these questions, I want to introduce to four major building blocks of managing time. There are several building blocks to managing time, but I would introduce four. And how you manage these building blocks to a great extent influences your ability to manage time. First building block, not necessarily in the same sequence, but let us put it this way that one of the four building blocks which I want to present, the first one is uh, interpersonal relationships. You may be wondering what has that got to do with uh, my time management and how does it influence? It has got a lot to do with that because one of the biggest time guzzler or time investment, whichever way you look at it, is the time that you invest or spend or waste in managing, building, maintaining interpersonal relationships. How much time do you allocate? What do you do? How do you enhance relationships? Do relationships work in a collaborative way or are you being drained by the people around you? Or are you training people? All these possibilities are there. So one of the building blocks is when it comes to managing time, while towards the end, I'll also give you a brief introduction to one of the famous time management principles by Stephen Covey on the four quadrant principles. But these building blocks makes a huge impact on how time impacts us. The first building block I wanted to think is interpersonal relationships. The second building block, what I want you to think through is decision making. You may be wondering because whenever I meet a lot of B-school graduates and top CEOs whom I coach, they always say that I take decisions like this. I mean, they claim uh, enormous credit in their ability to take quick and spontaneous decisions. While the jury is still out whether those kind of decisions are right or wrong, making a decision and how you make the decision has a huge impact on how you manage time or how time manages you. Okay, third building block which I want you to consider. How do you prioritize? How do you prioritize your day? How do you prioritize your work? How do you prioritize everything that you do? Prioritization here is your ability to sequence tasks or relationships or work or decisions or anything based on which is more important, which is less important. The fourth building block, which I wanted to consider, how good are you in the topic called emotional intelligence? Emotional intelligence has a huge impact on how you manage time, how you leverage time. People are extremely good at emotional intelligence are the ones who are capable of leveraging time. For many of us, our eight hour or 10 hour work at office is just eight to 10 hours of work or even lesser. But people who are really good at emotional intelligence, 
Many times you'll find that the one hour of work sometimes equals about 10,000 hours of work. You may be wondering how it's for you to think through. If possible, I'll touch upon that towards the end. So there are four building blocks which I shared with you. Let me dive a little bit deeper into these four building blocks and give you certain insights. I will not be able to give all the answers today on how to manage these four building blocks, but I will give you certain insights. The first building block I want to take is uh, decision making. When you have a chemical equation taking place in a scientific experiment, one small chemical that you introduce which brings about a change or a catalyst is going to have a huge impact on the subsequent outputs of that scientific experiment. And many times that catalyst in managing time for us is the decisions that you make. Many times a decision made in a matter of seconds or minutes can change the destiny of a person, an organization, or even a nation. So how do you manage decisions? What are the insights that you have on managing decisions? Because many times we take time management as a unit of measuring time and managing time. I have eight hours, so let me put 15 minutes for this, 30 minutes for this, one hour for the meeting, and things like that. But forgetting that these catalysts, these building blocks make a huge impact. It's like standing on a yoke. When you come to a yoke, you can either go by left uh, to the left side or to the right side. But normally there are, uh, you have two diversions or two roads that you take in a yoke. And that is what decisions are all about. We may be surprised to know that uh, based on the data that has been gathered over the last 20-30 years, a typical corporate executive and corporate leader takes anywhere between 20 to 25 minor to medium-sized decisions in a day. And he takes at least two or three major decisions in a day. And please bear in mind, each of the decision is standing at the yoke, where you are deciding, should I go this way, should I go this way, should I decide this, should I decide this, should I do this, should I do this. Should I continue the relationship with this person or not? Should I? And many times, as I mentioned earlier, people take snap decisions. And, and to a great extent, decisions are interlinked to emotional intelligence. People who are very shallow in emotional intelligence tend to take decisions guided by emotions. The predominant emotion at the time, happiness, sorrow, anxiety, fear, all these things have a huge impact on the decisions and they make, hence the consequence of the decisions they make, the results that come out of that, which impacts them, their organization, the nation, or even themselves. Let me now take you to the next building block and ask you a few questions. How do you currently prioritize? While there are several theories, many of you in the leadership sessions might have gone through in prioritization. I want to ask you a fundamental questions. Are your priorities incoming 
or your priorities outgoing? Apparently a simple question. In my experience of dealing with corporate executives, CEOs, leaders, many of them, many of them have priorities which are incoming. What do I mean by incoming priorities or what do I mean by priorities? Incoming priorities are purely how my time is consumed by other people who make their priorities as my decisions or thrust it on it somehow, either by coercion or by influencing or by cajoling or by coaxing, whatever. When priorities are incoming, what is likely to happen? Your time is taken for granted. You have a plan for a day to achieve certain things. And before you realize about 75 to 80% of the day is gone and then when you look back at the day, you find that others are consumed with that your time through their priorities. So one of the building blocks, if it has to be strong, is when your priorities have to be outward bound, rather outgoing, which means you decide which are the major chunks of the day how you are going to manage, how you are going to achieve certain goals or certain objectives, how you are going to put the resources together. And come what may, do not allow the inward priorities to take control over your outward priorities. Many times they say, time management is all about your ability to control things which you should not be doing. One of the golden rules they say is that how strong you are in things that you should not be doing decides how strong you are at things that you should be doing or you would be doing. The more we focus on what we should not be doing, which are many times what inward priorities are, what is likely to happen is that our time gets consumed and uh, before we realize our priorities are again shifted to the next day or shifted to the next bucket or we find that we are allocated one hour to do an important work and then I have less than 15 minutes and due to time pressure, I'm forced to squeeze myself into doing, which creates a stress. Your inability to manage time is considered as one of the contributing factors for building stress in individual life and in professional life. And all these boils down to the third point which I wanted to share, which is your ability to manage change. Many of you are leaders, uh, decision makers in the organization who have gone through a lot of sessions on managing time, managing change. But what's your take on managing change? How do you actually manage change? There are actually four levels when it comes to managing change. The same applies to managing time as well. The first level of the people who don't know how to manage uh, change are the people who reject change. For example, the latest pandemic which has struck the world and the last five, six months, we all know what we are going through. Some organizations were pretty quick in accepting it and moving on. And many organizations which have sank, it is said that almost 40% of uh, small to mid-level organizations in India have more or less closed shop because they rejected the change that had consumed them. They feared or they didn't know how to manage or whatever, they rejected change. So that is one way of looking at change. The second way of looking at change is being reactive. 
reactive change is when something hits you after that you wake up. Like 99% of the organizations. I don't think any of the business leaders I had met, I continue to meet. I asked them this question. When you made your business plan in April 2019, by any chance did you foresee pandemic going to hit you and your business and the nation somewhere in Jan, Feb 2020? Almost all of them said no. The same is true for me as well. But at least the moment it hit, in less than a few days, they were able to quickly adapt, change tact, change strategies, and continue with the business for some time, of course, with lower turnover, lower margins, lower profits, but at least they were alive, business-wise. And the second level of managing change, which is also applicable to managing time, is reactive change. At least quickly grouping yourself and being reactive to it. The third category are those who are proactive. For example, who were sensed the Wuhan break somewhere in November 2019. Let me give you the success story of a country called Taiwan. They sensed way back in November 2019 when the first controlled outbreak or whatever you want to call happened in Wuhan. Taiwan had been tracking viruses, specifically China, for a very, very, very long time. By end of November, the entire, the same information which was available for Taiwan was available for everyone in the world. Yet what they did is, they quickly decided to get proactive about it. By end of November, they sealed their borders with China and started filtering all passengers who landed into Taiwan, specifically from China right from screening. They were the first one to introduce social distancing. They were the first ones to introduce masks. They were the first one to introduce lockdown, quarantine, whatever. And today, Taiwan's success story is considered to be the best in the world for managing the pandemic because their fatality rate, the impact on the economy is one of the lowest in the world. Because they were pretty proactive about managing what hit many countries simultaneously, but many countries woke up later. They are the ones to wake up first and be proactive with managing change. And then there is category which are real geniuses, whom we call as generative change. These are the people who actually create the change which others get consumed with. Whatever it may be, whether it is a scientific finding or a spiritual expansion that some saints sort of find and unfold like what Bhavji Maharaj did. These are the people who generate change, which is what actually runs the entire world. For example, the theory of relativity of Einstein, or any famous inventions, any famous theorems, any famous propositions, any famous philosophies you find. People who bring about generative change are the people who lead the pack from the front. They decide where the future of the world or the universe is going to be. That possibility exists for all of us when it comes to managing change or managing time. You can also be generative when it comes to time management and go on outward priorities. Where you call the shots, you decide what it is going to be and then take it forward. Let me give you a little bit of an introduction to 
the famous four quadrants principles of Stephen Covey. Many of you might have read it. There is a reason why I'm teaching it here so that I can connect the dots for all of us to look into it. The famous uh, four quadrant uh, principles of uh, Stephen Covey through the books that he wrote, the first book that he wrote, The Seven Habits of uh, Highly Effective People, which was first released in 1989, which I had a chance to read in the beginning of 90s. And it had a profound impact on how I looked at a few things in managing myself, managing time, setting goals, and all that stuff. A very simple uh, pictorial drawing that he shares there. He speaks about uh, four quadrants. The quadrant one, which stands for important urgent. The quadrant two, which stands for important not urgent. The quadrant three, which stands for important not important uh, urgent. And quadrant four, which stands for not uh, important and not urgent. If you really dive deep, there are several uh, uh, deep dives that we can do into this theory. Let me just uh, quickly share what important is though there are several definitions what is an important task for example when it comes to managing time after all a day is divided into tasks important or important tasks are those which are related to your personal and professional goals of course when you're working out of office all the goals that you pursue at office are related to professional goals but if those professional goals, as I shared in my goal setting session last week, if all your personal professional goals are linked backwards to personal goals, then you have a little bit of control on how you're going to manage time. Quadrant one is all about performing in the immediate present. For that, for example, I have a one year goal. I may not be able to look at a one year goal in its totality. So what do I do? I break it down into quarterly goals, I break it down into monthly goals, I break it down into weekly goals. And finally, as I said at the beginning of the session, we get to manage one day at a time. So if you have a productivity target or a quality target or any qualitative or quantitative targets as performance uh, targets as part of your job, all you have to do is bring it up to a day. If I'm able to do that, which I have taught many senior leaders, when you bring down your entire year's focus down to a day, if I had to give you a 100 kilo cake to eat and you like eating cakes, I'm very sure you can't eat the 100 kilo cake one in one single bite. You'll be breaking them into small chunks, which you can take what your mouth can be fed with size-wise. And hence it becomes easier for you to digest, enjoy and swallow. Anything beyond the size of your mouth becomes too much of a stress. Hence, if you take one day at a time, this is what Stephen Covey also shares. Important are those which are linked to your goals, which means you need to have goals, personal and professional. And urgent here means, which has a timeline, very simple. The timeline can be today, the timeline can be day after tomorrow, it can be about a project, it can be about a task, it can be about a launch of a service, it can be about completing one project and moving on to another, or completing one chunk of a project today and taking it to the next week. We'll have multiple goals, each with multiple timelines or deadlines. 
The deadline can be one year. As long as you have a deadline, it is an urgent task. Doesn't matter whether it's one year from now, one week from now, one month from now. So typically, one according to Stephen Covey is when you have your important goals in place and you know by when you have to achieve them. And then you look at the building blocks that I have already shared with you. How do I use all those building blocks? See, the building blocks are not per se what I do, but they are the ones which guides me to do. They are the resources. They are the knowledge resources or the skill sets. As we saw in one of the sessions, skill set is the knowledge in action. I have all this because that's going to make me to handle my time or the task in a much better way. So I bring these building blocks, what I've shared and plus quite a few more I haven't shared. And through that I look at my annual goals and then I bring it down into a daily goal. And then I look at how effectively can I get this done within the time frame I'm supposed to do. And for that, if you are a person who is focused on quadrant one, many of the people who I meet spend so much of time in quadrant one, they don't have time for the next important quadrant, which is your quadrant two. Let me connect it back in a personal life also so that you understand. Quadrant two is when it's about tasks which are important but not urgent. What does it mean? Not urgent in very simple terms can be taken as something which does not have a deadline. And hence we don't do. Let me now ask you a few questions. If I become unwell, God forbid, I go and meet a doctor. He does all the tests. And then he says, Prakash, uh, you are a little bit overweight, or you have sugar, or you have BP, blah, blah, whatever. And then he gives me medicines. And then the first thing normally he says is, you should have exercised for the last four or five years. Since you did not, you became overweight. Your health got affected. Now at least start exercising. Why I didn't exercise before? Because I was focused on getting the task on hand at this moment. Pick up some food, eat whatever, run to the office, get into the meeting, complete the job, get out, move to the next task, get out, come back, go into the bed, maybe watch a movie on an OTT platform. Next day I'm ready, again get into the cycle. Quadrant two is all about preparing yourself so that your Q1 gets done better. Quadrant two, for example, is about important, not urgent. Learning, health, my personal finance, my relationship with my staff, my strategic thinking, my ability to plan, my ability to troubleshoot and be proactive. Proactive is important too. Reactive is important one. If you have firefighting which happens in Q1, it is because you did not do something. If there is a system failure, it is because I did not run the periodical system checks once in a while. If my software crashes, maybe I did not run the patches, I did not upgrade my virus or whatever. Whatever you did not do in Q2 will always trickle down and fall in Q1 and impact your goals. And hence, for you to impact your goals and make it happen faster, you should spend more and more time on Q2. Let me give you an example. Quadrant one, if you are a very efficient executive, you will not spend 50 to 60 percent, more than 50 to 60 percent of your time on quadrant one. If you do a simple time block analysis, you will be able to find out how much time you are spending on quadrant In fact, many of the corporate leaders I have seen, leave alone even executive, even top CEOs, do not have planned Q2. 
even for them, Q2 happens like in Q1. Like in many organizations, what happens is suddenly they call you in for a strategy meeting. For them, maybe they're ready. You're not ready. A strategy meeting is sometimes is something that you take about two, three weeks to get prepared for. Either walk into the office, hey, our boss is calling for a strategy meeting. Go and sit there, have a cup of coffee, not whatever you have to do. And that randomly gives certain insights. This is what happens in many board meetings I've seen, many team meetings I've seen. Because Q2 has become Q1. Okay, let's look at the other two quadrants. The Q1 and Q2 are the most important quadrants for your personal growth. Q3 is essential for, to some extent, organizational growth and growth of others. Q3 is what we said, not important, but urgent. When I say not important, what does it mean, not important to me? But important to somebody. For example, my teammate has some goals for which he's seeking my help to get it done. It is important for him, but not important for me. It is urgent for him, and hence he makes it urgent for me. Hey boss, I have to make this presentation here. Can you have a look at this DVD or put it there? I have seen many people who, this is why I said incoming priorities, if you might recall. If my priorities are incoming, my Q3 will be more. What will happen is anybody ask for help because I'm good at it. Anybody will dump work on me, which is not related to my goals or my goal sheet. I tend to invest time there because I am not good in emotional intelligence. I am not uh, good in managing my outgoing priorities. Hence, people consume my time with their priorities. If you are really good, if you manage your time, your Q3 should not be zero because then you are not a team player. But if it is beyond 10% of your time in a day, which means you are working for someone else. You are working for some other team member. No harm, the company will still progress. But will you progress? At the end of the year, when people ask you why you didn't perform, you cannot go back and say, I'm helping this person, I'm helping that person. It doesn't still add your goal sheet and hence your performance appraisal goes for instance. Let me go to the biggest hole of the time management bucket, which is Q4. Many people very easily call it as time wasters. But let me give you a spin to what time wasters is and how you can relook at Q4 starting from now on. The biggest time waster is not the gossip, it's not the WhatsApp forward, it's not the mail forward, because there you are conscious. Your point you not invest too much of time. Even if you're watching YouTube or Facebook, if your organization allows you to watch while at work, your point you know you're conscious, so you're not wasting too much of time. The real time investors for even there was an economic time survey which came about 10 years back. They found out that the Q4 time investors, even for people in the pay bracket of 40 lakhs per annum and above, was in the range of about 25 to 30%. Can you believe? People who are smart, who are out of the best B schools, well-educated, well-qualified, all the best tools, having Q4 25 to 30%, the biggest leak Q4 happens is when, let me give it in a very simple way, it's for you to go back and find. For every task that you do, there is something called as an ideal time, there is something called as an actual time. If you are good at uh, industrial engineering as one of the subjects you attend, you have the time and motion study. If you go there, you will find that every job always has a lot of non-value adds. 
and all the non value adds in any task is what adds back as the gap between ideal time and actual time you take. I have mapped in the last 25 30 years of my corporate uh, coaching experience several top level and mid level executives. If they had to finish a task in 10 minutes by mapping the actual work, they normally take 15 to 20 minutes. It's because of the interventions, it's because of the incoming priorities and all that. If you're really ruthless about managing time and managing yourself wins, take your time log and write down all the tasks that you're doing. Do a mapping exercise to find what are the actual time that you should be spending, not you are spending. And then map yourself to find what you are spending. Invariably, you'll find about 25 to 30% of the bucket leak happens in Q4, and we are not even conscious of it. Why am I sharing all this here? Let us look at a different perspective altogether. One of the uh, perspectives we have in our personal life is our spiritual growth. While we are very good at managing your personal life, garnering assets, building our repertoire of uh, knowledge and skills and bank balance and better positions in organizations. Are we spending time in creating a future spiritual empire, a place where we would like to retire and go? Leave alone the esoteric spiritual principles. Look at your post-retirement life. What is that you are creating today by calming your mind? Even to take a decision, it is said that you need to be calm and composed before you can make back. The test of emotional intelligence happens when we are not swayed by temporary burst of emotions. All these are regulated by frequent meditation, frequent feeling, which helps you get out all those uh, built up impressions of the day and connecting back to the source, whichever faith you follow through the concept of prayer. Typically, meditation or cleaning or prayer or any of your spiritual pursuit normally falls under Q2. Important but not urgent, and that's why people don't do. When do they start doing? For example, I have a personal problem in life. What do I do? I pray. I go to a doctor or I go borrow money from someone else if it is an emergency expense. And then what do I do? I pray to God, please do something, save me out of this, or get me out of this uh, challenge. Have you continued to be in Q2? In all probability, when it happened, you would have found the strength to manage uh, Q1 better. If you really look at uh, how management and uh, spiritual practices uh, come together, people who spend, say in a day you have about 24 hours, all of us have the same time. If I'm able to set aside about one, one and a half hours in managing my inside, which is my heart, my thinking, my emotional baggages, my ability to connect with myself. The rest 22 to 22 and a half hours time goes beautifully and brilliantly. I am saying it out of my personal experience. I am not giving you theory of that. I have been practicing meditation for more than 28 years now. And from the time I have started, I have taken it uh, seriously that I have invested time. I, have, I, am not, I am looking at it purely as a return on investment. I am investing time. It has paid me back richly in a very big way in terms of material success because irrespective of the situation you put me in, instantly I can connect myself inside 
calm myself down and look at any situation which is thrown at me in a composed and balanced state of mind with a connection which is inside so that I have a another advantage of something, intuition as we call, over a period of time in a meditative ritual, develop, which starts helping me other than my ability to think logically. I'm able to balance my emotions and I'm able to intuitively come up with uh, situations which help me to focus. Hence, we really look at all the building blocks. They all have a common base of ability to manage yourself. And by doing that consistently through the process of meditation, by investing about one, one and a half hours a day, your ability to manage time, your ability to manage yourself becomes far, far better. And in the short, about 35 minutes, I've given certain building blocks and certain concepts to managing time. If uh, there are any questions I'd like to take up before we move on to experiencing meditation, what I've been talking about. Would you like to moderate any questions, Pata? Yes. Any questions? If you want to clarify anything, feel free. You can use the chat or you can also speak up. Or we can also come back to this after post meditation. Yeah. Uh, in this case, can we uh, maybe you can. Pause the recording, we'll move to meditation. After meditation, if there are questions, we'll take it up. I'll say, please start meditation and then mute myself. And uh, I'll answer this incoming priority question, which is popping up. Uh, do you want me to answer now? I don't know at what point of time this person joined. Incoming priorities are when other people's priorities are, uh, I recall, I think, Sonal, you had asked a question in your first session also. Uh, incoming priorities are when others take control of my priorities. For example, I'm walking out, somebody walks into my table and says, Prakash, can you get this done for me? It's not related to my goal, but because of my love and compassion or respect, or I can't say no to them or I'm not assertive, I go out and do it. What happens is by the time I finish the task, it's about 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever. And then I find that the time that I have set myself for myself to do my task has gone. So incoming priority by nature is when I allow others to take control of my time. Outgoing priorities are when I am able to regulate uh, relating to the goals that I have. I do set aside time to help others, but that's on a very controlled way. I guess I have answered that. So we we'll move into meditation now. Uh, before, as I had mentioned, quadrant four is a task which are neither important nor urgent, which means uh, they are neither aligned to the goal nor contributing anything towards the movement offers towards the goal, nor are they urgent, what typically get called as a time wasters. While the well-known time wasters are uh, things like uh, watching something on the mobile, forwarding WhatsApp, reading jokes, chats, gossips, coffee, excess coffee breaks and things like that. The real Q4 comes when the time that you are supposed to take to be efficient in completing a task in a given time far uh, exceeds uh, the time, rather the time that you actually take 
to complete the task far exceeds the time that we are supposed to take. I mentioned as ideal time and the actual time. And many of the corporate scenarios I have witnessed, the actual time is always in excess of ideal time. If it is an engineering organization in manufacturing line, they periodically do time and motion study to check what are the value adds, what are the non-value adds, and remove all the non-value adds and make the task to be completed because they need to produce more as per quality within stipulated time. But when it comes to work, the ideal time as well as the actual time to great extent is managed by the person himself. I need to manage it myself. Nobody won't come and supervise and keep telling me and it's not going to happen because everyone is busy like that. Hence, Q4 to a great extent is the timely that happens without our knowledge. I would rather call it as unconscious incompetence where I am not aware that I am losing time. But by shifting my focus on what I am currently doing, how efficiently and effectively I can do and remove all the flag of excess time utilized will help me to save more and more on Q4, which in turn will help me to reuse the time saved on Q2 and Q3. I guess uh, that clarifies the question. Hi, sir.